0: The Word of God emphasizes the importance of the individual. Think about that with me for a moment. Noah, what an important individual he was and the influence he exerted over his own family in the saving of eight precious souls from that universal flood. Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Samson. Elijah, Esther, Dorcas, Paul, Silas, Lydia, and the list could go on and on. And these are ancient history, but the point is still valid. The individual makes a difference. And that's what I'd like for us to think about this morning. The fact that you, you make a difference. You are important. God is counting on you. And as we evaluate our purpose in life, I want us to remember three points of significance. First, that numbers are not decisive. Numbers are not decisive. Now, that's a common concept, that numbers are decisive and that bigger is better. And many times if an individual begins to think that way, then an individual might become discouraged. But there's something that immediately destroys this idea, or should, and that is that tragically the majority is lost. The majority is lost. The majority of mankind lost. And again, there's evidence of this fact from the Bible. The eight souls that we alluded to a moment ago concerning Noah. Only eight souls were saved. In the case of Abraham, he was one man through whom the promised seed would come. His seed, one individual. Gideon began with 10,000 men in an army that God ultimately reduced to only 300. Esther was in a position to have her influence, her influence, save the Jewish nation. How many saviors do we have? One. Only one. How many apostles were there? Only 12. And you know something, the local autonomy... Concerning God's plan for the church also implies that numbers are not decisive. Otherwise, why don't we have a large central headquarters as many denominations do? And why, why do we not emphasize a, a rule of a central body over a large group of individuals? No. The local autonomy of the church shows the power of one. The power of one, and that was God's plan, one congregation can make a difference. Numbers are not decisive in the battle between good and evil, because as we look through biblical history, we see that true faith and obedience always involved those in the minority, There were those in captivity who in Psalm 137, and verse 4, cried out, How, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? That just reeks with, with discouragement, doesn't it? How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And sometimes the world makes us feel that way. Sometimes the world in which we live today makes us feel, how shall we sing the Lord's song in this land? How shall we teach and preach effectively the Word of God and live the Word of God in this land? Well, this is the only land in which faith has to operate. This is the land in which faith has to operate. And we have to recognize that the strength of righteousness does not lie in numbers. You go back and you look at what God through Moses said to his people on one occasion in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 38, talking about driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in, to give you their land as an inheritance as it is this day. Nations that are greater and mightier than you, chapter 7 of Deuteronomy then at verse 1, the same thought is expressed, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you, and they will all go. Because numbers are not the decisive factor in the battle between good and evil. We come to the Revelation letter, chapter 3 and verse 4 in the letter to Sardis. And what did the Lord say through John? You have a few names. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. They are worthy. They shall walk with me in white. A few names the individual. And since numbers are not decisive, it has to mean that every individual member stands out as being extremely important. That's what we want to emphasize. One person can make a real difference. Oh, we see that when we see one person uh, uh, on a team, a player. One player can spark an entire team. One teacher can make a department. The voice of one individual has altered the course of history. It's said that one vote elected Thomas Jefferson, one vote authorized the Erie Canal, one vote beheaded Charles I of England, one vote made, made France a republic in 1874 and then ended the republic in 1940. The states of Texas, California, Oregon, and Washington were all admitted to the Union by one vote. Each person is important. Turn with me to Romans chapter 16, and chances are it's not a a text you have memorized in Romans 16 in terms of the list here, and we won't take time to read all of it, but I commend to you Phoebe verse 1, greet Priscilla and Aquila verse 3, likewise greet the uh, church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us, Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners. Greet Urbanus, greet Amplius, verse 8, Urbanus, verse 9, Stachus, my beloved, Apelles, approved in Christ. These are all household names, right? I mean, they're, these are names you have memorized and you can call them. Uh, no, <laughs> no but they're important names. They're just the names of Christians. They're just the names of Christians. But each person, each one of these, was important to the Apostle Paul and to the Lord. And there are a lot of people who don't know our names at all, but the Lord does, and we'll get to that point in a few moments. But each person is important, and we must not forget that. Numbers are not decisive. That's our first significant point that we need to realize as we discuss the fact that you make a difference. The second point is individual quality. What do we mean? In other words, if individual importance is there and it is clearly established, then that suggests, the individual importance does, that there's a need for change in our lives where change needs to be made. In other words, if i'm important as an individual then it is important as to what kind of individual i am doesn't that make sense if i'm an imp- if i'm an important individual then it makes a lot of sense that i've got to be the right kind of individual and the general condition of most things can be traced back to personal contribution our nation corruption in government crime etc look at the moral climate of the nation look at Neighborhoods. It takes the help of everyone to run one of those neighborhoods down, doesn't it? We see family life deteriorating. We need to ask, what is life like at my house? And that's true in the church. The individual can make or break. And many times the attitude in the church is, well, you know, they ought to or they ought to do this, or they ought to do that. No, it should be I ought. I ought. Because if we are involved with they ought more than I ought, then it shows a failure to see the individual importance. And there's a need for change wherever it's necessary in our individual lives because every person, every person contributes. Every person contributes. Brother Freeman in his excellent prayer this morning made that very point, didn't he? When he when he when he thanked God for those who make the extra effort despite difficulties in their lives health wise, they make that extra effort to be here. And what an encouragement that is. They recognize the importance. The importance of being here. Not only the importance to God, but to brothers and sisters in Christ. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 concerning spiritual gifts, the early part of that chapter, and over in verse 12, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ talks about prior to that verse in the chapter, the various gifts. And I recognize that these are spiritual gifts, miraculous gifts that were available then that we do not have today, but we don't need today. But the important principle is that everybody does something. What if all of us had the very same talent? The nation improves as I do. Families improve as mine does. The church gets better as I get better. And the emphasis of this change is self, not the other person, but self. And therefore, we have to understand and appreciate that a better congregation begins with me. When I love God as I ought to love God, with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind, when I love the brethren as I ought to, John thirteen thirty five, as I have loved you, even so, you love one another, Jesus said. A better congregation begins with me when I love my fellow man as I ought to. Galatians six ten. When I love the church more. Matthew six thirty three. Putting the kingdom of God first. When I give more. When I worship more. When I work more. And oh, that idea of working more and working in harmony could not be better emphasized than it is in the Ephesian epistle at chapter 4 and verse 16. Remember there, Paul writes, From whom the whole body, speaking of the head, Christ in verse 15, From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love, building itself up, the growth of the body, the the edification of the body, the spiritual growth that can lead to that numerical growth. And so because I am important, because I am important, because every individual is important that I need to be sure that I'm adding something. And so our first point, numbers are not decisive. Our second point, therefore, because the individual is important, We need to be concerned about the quality of that individual. And I need to make changes wherever I need to make changes. And I need to continue to pursue growth in every aspect of my life because I am important to the Lord's kingdom. And the third and final point is God knows who I am. God knows who I am. There are more than 7 billion people now alive on planet earth, more than 7 billion people. And you know, when we think of things in terms of the masses, the individual just becomes very insignificant if we think in terms of the masses. But again, the Bible places great emphasis upon the worth of the individual. It is true that Jesus came to redeem all mankind And the scope of that is breathtaking indeed. His sacrifice that was made that cleansed those who were faithful under the former dispensations and cleansed all of those who for all time to come will come to Him. Jesus died for all mankind to redeem all mankind. But how is it accomplished? One person at a time. One person at a time. And in Scripture we have the beautiful example of Jesus teaching the multitudes, don't we? But also teaching the individual. And you couldn't find a better example of that individual interest on the part of the Lord than the woman at the well in John chapter 4. That's a lesson in itself. Tired, hungry, encountering a woman who was morally deficient and materialistically minded He nonetheless took time with her, exercised patience with her, and taught her because she was important. Redemption takes place one person at a time. And the judgment will also take place one person at a time. We won't be judged in a group, but individually will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone shall give account of the deeds done in the body, whether they be good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. The judgment will be individual. Redemption is one person at a time. God knows not just the White Oak Church. God knows every, every individual here. We believe that God knows the needs of the world. He knows the world's needs. He knows the cares of the world. But many times, perhaps we don't individualize this as we should, to the extent that we should, and to realize that He knows my heartaches. He knows my weaknesses. He knows my needs. And He can judge us one day, the Lord can, individually because He knows us individually. Remember John 10, verse 14? I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by them. I know my sheep. If you turn to Matthew chapter 10, the context here is the the sending out of those on the limited commission. And in verses 29 through 31, as he gave them instruction and also gave them assurance of God's presence with them, he asked, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. He used the example of these little birds because they were cheap. (laughs) They were cheap because of their size and because of their abundance. And yet he says, God is even aware when one of them falls dead. We need to appreciate that. How much more Are our needs known by God? If that sparrow, when it falls to the ground, is known by God, how much more our needs, our thoughts, our feelings, our cares, our pains are known by the God of heaven. How well does he know us? The very hairs of your head are numbered. And that's not a difficult task for the Lord in some of our cases, is it? But even if we've got a full head of hair, he knows every one of them. He knows every one of them. What a comparison. What a revelation. What an assurance. What an assurance. The idea is they've been long since numbered. God has known us for a long time long time a long long time and in this limited commission as he gave this assurance to those whom he sent out the point he was emphasizing was that God would be watching God would know their every care and concern and so he says fear not that's emphatic that's emphatic do not fear Because this kind of certainty that God is aware drives fear away. God knows. God cares. I am of value to him. And he is concerned about my welfare. Oh yes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes. That gets it down to the individual. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He will provide what I need. You seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, the Lord said, and all these things will be added unto you. And knowing that He cares should make life easier. Knowing that He cares should give me greater determination. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help. A very what? present help in time of trouble. Psalm 46, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. That's personal. Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. And so as we evaluate our purpose in life, let us remember, numbers are not decisive. I am important as one individual. And therefore, I need to make whatever changes in my life need to be made as an individual. I need to continue to grow as an individual. If I'm a faithful member of the body of Christ, I must apply myself to grow, to change for the better. Even if I'm walking in the light, I still need to grow. And that's what the admonition of Scripture is. That's based on individual quality. The need for change based upon individual quality. God can use me. And finally, he knows who I am. One person, one person operating upon faith in God makes a difference. And each of these principles we've discussed this morning applies to everyone here. And you know what the realization of that is? the realization that all these principles apply to each one of us, the realization of that is unity. Unity. How can I not be knit together? How can I not be united with someone who is important? Someone who is doing his or her best. Someone who is loved and known by God to the extent the very hairs of the head of that individual are numbered. How can I not work together in unity and harmony with that individual? Why wouldn't I be very, very careful and concerned about not only my example before those other individuals, but my words in terms of what I say to those individuals, how I treat those individuals, my compassion for them, my consideration of them? Every individual member of this congregation is important. Your faith, your works, your attitudes will make a difference. People do notice when those attitudes are right, and yes, people do notice when those attitudes are not right. And so each should ask the question, what would the future of this congregation be? If every member were to do as I do, what would the future of this congregation be if every member were to do as I do? What would the future of the Sunday night service be? That's an interesting question. Would I even have to prepare a sermon for tonight? if it were up to you in terms of how you view Sunday night or Wednesday night or any number of things, think about it, you are important, you do make a difference. And as an individual, if you ask the question, what would the future of this congregation be if every member were to do as I do, only one of two answers would be possible. The first answer would be, it will progress. The second would be, it will die. It will die. And if I have to answer that if it were up to me it would die, then I need to do better. I need to do better. You make a difference. You are important. And one thing is for certain. If you're not a member of the Lord's church, then you have an opportunity to make a difference that you may not know the extent of until eternity begins. That is, your decision this morning to become a Christian, to obey the gospel of Christ, to simply follow what the New Testament teaches, not the creeds and traditions of men that so confuse the minds of men and women today. But if you'll simply lay aside all of that and simply believe that Jesus is the Christ, act upon that belief to repent of your sins and then confess Him to be the Christ and then go down with Him into the watery grave of baptism where the blood of Christ reaches you to cleanse you from your sin and you rise to walk in newness of life, who knows how many precious souls you may ultimately influence to do the same and with whom you may ultimately and eternally share the approbation of God on that great judgment day. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joys of your Lord. You will never enter into that joy until you initially enter into the joy of becoming a part of the kingdom of God, the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And there is but one way to do that, and that's by belief that I am he or die in your sins, Jesus said, John eight twenty four. that leads you to repent, repent or perish, Luke 13, 3, the Lord said, to confess, confess me before men and I will confess you before the Father in heaven, Matthew 10, 32, and then, yes, to be baptized, where not the water but the blood that is applied in that watery burial will cleanse you from sin because Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. And to understand as you undergo that burial, that when you rise from that watery grave, you rise as a different person, changed altogether, added to the kingdom, the church. And in that church, you make a difference. You are important. This morning, if you've lost sight of that as a wayward child of God, then you need to come home to your first love. If your sin has been public, if you have been negligent in a way to bring reproach upon the church. Any private matter needs to be taken pri- taken care of privately among those who are Christians as they can approach God and have that assurance. But if indeed your sin is known and your influence has been affected adversely and you need to say to your brothers and sisters and more importantly to God, I have sinned, then we plead with you to come back to the Lord in that prescribed manner as the word of God teaches us and for all who need no repentance we all nonetheless need to apply ourselves to becoming better individuals every day contributing more and more to the edifying of the body of Christ here at White Oak the edifying of that body in love as we labor together lovingly to advance the borders of the kingdom and to do all that we can to save precious souls. Recognizing that numbers are not decisive, but that I am important, and I must be the right kind of individual, and God knows who I am. If you need to respond this morning, will you come now as we stand and sing?